we've been in this series about attitudes and uh, the twos, as we called it. And, uh, you know, this week I was out of country. Uh, Jehoshaphat and I went to Colombia. And, um, and, and we, we, we were, I minister in Colombia a couple times a year. Uh, but this particular trip started off already pretty frustrating. Um, the tickets, for some reason, plane tickets skyrocketed to the place that it just wasn't proper to ask the church in Colombia to pay for. And so uh, they had a little uh, travel agent, and they worked with our team a little bit. And, uh, and to get the price to where it was not misusing God's money, uh, it ended up that I had to have 25 connections over nations all over the world. When you travel, if you know what I'm talking about, it, 25, I'm exaggerating, but it was twice as many as I ever have. And so it started when they told me, PA, you're going to have to go here, then you got to go there, then you got to go here, there, there, just to, to get here. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. And so it started automatically with this, I am already frustrated. And I kept hearing this preacher from Church on the Hill talking about the twos. And I kept hearing him say, attitude check! And I, so I'm sitting on this airplane. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so we go from one city to another and stop and get off and just miserable. I'm exhausted. And then we get on our second to last leg. We're, 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 we're heading to El Salvador. And three rows in front of me is a, is, is a husband and wife. And they're two little um, blessings. They're two little blessings. <laughs> Velociraptors is what they should have been called, but nonetheless. So, and so this little boy is two years old, and these, this family has never had a parenting seminar or ever been trained on how to raise children. And this two-year-old dominated the airplane for four hours. And the whole time, I'm thinking, oh, I wish you would be at my house right now. Because my mom always used to say, I'll give you something to cry about. And this kid, I mean, put the headset on, you could still hear him screaming, just screaming, just because just, just he wanted to. And, uh, and then when they gave him more candy, he'd get quiet for a second, you know. And, they, and this was for four hours. And the whole time, I'm thinking, oh, God, oh, God, how did Pastor Adam talk to us from... How do I change my attitude? Because right now, I want to stab those people. And I want to take that little boy and lock him in the bathroom with toilet paper in his mouth. Anyway, so I just, this is all, the, come on, you're, you're human like I am. It's running through, and I'm trying to have a good attitude. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to remember what does the Word of God say, and how am I supposed to be like Christ in this thing? And so we finally arrive in El Salvador, and I'm saying, thank you, Jesus. They're going to get on their next flight, or where, maybe they're from El Salvador. Hallelujah. Surely, they're not getting on the next flight and heading to Colombia with me. Oh, no, no, surely it isn't correct. They sat right there, right there, right behind me. Midway through the flight, they've kicked my seat. They've yelled. They've screamed. And, and the parents are just sitting there like, you know, what do we do? And, uh, and then I was like, I got a solution. It's called a rod. The Bible talks about it, putting that on his backside. Anyway, and about halfway through the flight, Jehoshaphat and I are sitting there, and all of a sudden we go, because they are changing that two-year-old's diaper on that tray right there behind me and it's a two-year-old so you know baby babies their poo doesn't smell bad right because they're nursing but little velociraptors eat meat and so they're so that's it was the most foul odor and I'm and I'm going to preach and I'm thinking the whole time how 
Can I dispose of the body without anybody knowing about it? Friend, can I tell you something? This message kept calling to me and messing with me. And I found myself having to put into practice the very thing. Come on, you guys, that we're learning together. And I found myself sitting there praying in the Spirit. I found myself trying in Jesus' name to change my attitude. And I started just calling out to the Lord. I even found myself a couple of times when Jehoshaphat fell asleep, lifting my hands and thanking Jesus for his goodness. And then I started thinking about, I'm flying in an airplane. How long would it have taken to get to Columbia back in the day with horses and ships? And I started saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And by the time I got to where I was going, I had the right attitude, all because we're in this series and I'm learning to do better. Amen. Isn't that good? So in this series, if you're new to us, we've been in a series called The Toots, talking about the attitudes that each and every one of us deal with. And our key scripture has been Ephesians. We'll put it on the screen. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22. And it says this, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, this key scripture that we went in this whole whole teaching about was you and I have to constantly take off our old self and put on the new self, which is being renewed in the attitudes of our minds. So the whole time I'm sitting on that airplane, I'm trying to get the old self off and trying to get the new self back on. Why? Because I wanted to be right in my attitude, the attitude that's like Christ. And then I started praying for them and saying, God, please help this couple. They're frustrated. They don't know what to do. Please help this little boy. Maybe there's something wrong with him. And I started praying over them. Why? Because I finally got out of my attitude. Are you with me? Took that off and put the new attitude of self. So over the last couple of weeks, we've gone through this and we've taught you a few things. First off, we talked about where these attitudes come from. Some of us have inherited them from our family. Your grandma was grumpy. Your, your mama was grumpy. And you just grumpy. That's just who you are. It's who you are. And so, I mean, each and, each and every one of us, maybe it was a situation that happened. Remember, I, I illustrated that. You know, you were in junior high. You were in love with this little dude, and he, you thought he loved you. Come to find out, he was messing around with five or six other girls, and now all, do- all, all dudes are dogs. They're all dogs, Pastor. They're all dogs. They'll cheat on you. Why? Because of what happened. An experience that's created that attitude. Some of you had a bad experience in, in the job force early on, and now you have a bad attitude because of it. And every time those things happen, and we said where they came from, we talked to you about that. Then we talked about ways that, or excuse me, the problems that our attitudes cause. Some of us have lost jobs because we had a bad attitude. Some of us have missed out on the miracles of God. We've destroyed relationships because of our attitudes. See, attitude, remember, determines your altitude. Attitude is the key component before you ever act. Action comes after attitude. And so we talked about how we can change our attitudes. We talked about quarantining those uh, influences that cause us to have a bad attitude. We talked about getting out of the ruts. And we talked about how to change these attitudes. And then last week, the love of my life, she ministered to us on how to have the right attitude in the midst of difficulty. And we all go through it. And she went down through Scripture and some of the great men and women of the Bible and the difficulty that they were in, the hardship, and how they found the right attitude. And as a result, God propelled them to greatness by having the right attitude in the midst of difficulty. And today, we're going to look at the rewards or the benefits of walking in the right attitude when it comes to Jesus Christ and who He is. Now, for fun today, I thought I would do this little thing uh, about numerology. Now, um, uh, biblical prophetic people, they like to talk about numerology. 
you know, the number of seven is the number of perfection. The number three is the number of God. You know, number six is, is the number of sin. But just in practical, everyday stuff, uh, people use numerology just for, for fun things. And I'll kind of give you uh, what I'm talking about. So put, put it on the next slide if you don't mind. So if A, B, C, D, E, F, G, X, L, M, P, okay. Each one of these letters are represented by a number. So A is 1, B is 2, C is 3. Okay? That's what they call numerology, and this is how they'll do it. And some of us are old enough to remember pagers. Anybody remember beepers back in the day? Well, back in the day, see millennials, back in the day, you, you, you could not talk to people with your fingers. You actually had to hold a phone and speak to them. It was unbelievable. And, uh, but what you could do is get their attention by punching in numbers that would vibrate on a little machine on their belt. It was unbelievable. But to communicate, we use numerology. Anybody remember? You'd put, you'd put letters that represented words. Come on now. You know what I'm talking about. You would use this. So using this as a little scale, if A, B, C, D, E, F, you know, 1, 2, 3, all the way to number 26, with that being said, and we're talking about how to be successful in life, the word knowledge, let's put that one up, the word knowledge in all of its letters and its numbers would equal 96%. So if, if, you have, if you're the smartest person in the room, you, you're going to be more successful 96% of the time than everybody else. Or uh, your knowledge will help you be 96% uh, successful. Hard work. Look at hard work's numbers. That adds up to 98%. Isn't that something? But none of them are 100%. But let's look at the word attitude. When you add up all the letters of attitude, it equals 100%. Those things that make you go, hmm, hmm. Now, listen, that, that's not doctrine or theology, so don't go take that anywhere. Like, oh, my God, my wife's address for her family it ends up 666. I knew they were from hell. This is just a little fun exercise of something silly. All right, with that being said, turn to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3. Some of you are going to go make a doctrine of that right there. We're in trouble. We're in trouble. You're going to add up your license plate numbers and letters and come up with some numbers. All right, uh, Matthew chapter 5. Verses 3 through 12. This is called the Beatitudes. Let's read it real quick. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets and uh, those who were before you. Now, this is um, the opening of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, so Jesus is born. We don't know... The Bible doesn't record much about his childhood or his teenage years. And he comes on the scene right around, you know, the age of 30, if you will. Uh, the Bible picks up him starting his ministry. Matthew chapter 5 is his, is his grand opening. Matthew chapter 5 is his, like if you ever got a new job and the boss brought you in front of all the employees and you're the brand new one and say, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh... I like ice cream. I mean, you know, you stand there. This is Jesus' introduction, if you will. So he starts off his introductions with the Beatitudes. The attitudes that we're supposed to be, that we're supposed to have. What he does is he qualifies with the followers of God what they're like. And he deals with attitudes. He doesn't deal so much with right and wrong or actions as much as he does with attitudes. He opens up the introduction for any type of 
presentation, the introduction qualifies the key vision statement and mission statement most of the time in any kind of communication. You start with your introduction. This is where we're going. This is where we're trying to get. And then you break it down. And this is what Jesus does. So he goes into the beatitudes, the attitudes, if you will. And here's the beauty of what Jesus does. It's so powerful. What he does is say, listen, if you will have this attitude, you will get this reward. And he lays out for us what we can expect as followers of the living God when we change our attitude to match that of Christ. And he says, listen, if you will go through these things and have this type of attitude, this is what you will inherit. This is what you will be rewarded with. And so if you will, let's break these down for just a moment. We'll start with the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, let me just qualify real quick. There are eight beatitudes. Some scholars argue, oh, no, I see ten in here, I see seven. But most everyone, uh, you know, a, a biblical understanding was qualified that there's eight here. In fact, the verses 10 through 12 that we'll look at, uh, instead of those being three different ones, they actually are one all under persecution. So I want to qualify that. Go back to the first one. The first beatitude that he lists, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, the, this, this verbiage here, you got to understand, in our English, when we, think, when we use the word poor, we're thinking impoverished. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, that wouldn't work. Blessed are you if you don't have much Holy Ghost in you. Because because of that, you know what? That's like the kingdom of heaven. That's not what it's saying at all. In fact, let me kind of qualify the attitude here that he's expecting, his expectation and the reward. So the attitude here is complete dependence on God. And the reward will be the kingdom of God. So what he's saying here is, blessed are you who, blessed, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are not haughty in who they are. Who are not saying that they can do it in and of their own strength. But blessed are those who are completely dependent upon the living God. And guess what your reward will be? You will go to heaven. Listen, can I tell you something? There's a lot of people that call themselves Christians, but they're not dependent upon God. They're dependent upon themselves. There's a lot of people who call themselves as, you know, interacting with Jesus. But the word of God says it like this. On that day, I'll say to them, I don't even know you. I don't even know you. have never really allowed me to be the Lord of your life. So he qualifies it by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, or blessed are you if you have the attitude of complete dependence, not on my own ability, not on my own intellect, not on my own work ethic. See, you got to understand, the Jews believed that God was going to come down and he was going to reestablish his kingdom and he was going to do that by military might, by military force. And so when Jesus opens up by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God, because they're ready to revolt. They can't stand the Romans telling them what to do. They've been, they've, been in, they've been in slavery year after year in their history. And so this moment, they're not in slavery, but they feel enslaved. And as a result, they want to kill the Romans. They want to revolt. They want, and they want this, this, this moment of the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. So they're expecting a battle, a fight. They're ready for it. And Jesus says, hey, let me tell you how you get the kingdom of heaven. And that is a complete dependence on God, not on your own strength, not on your own ability. Blessed are you and I. When we say, God, I I don't know what to do here. God, I need you. I don't know how to raise kids, man. I, I I don't know how to serve you. Man, all I know is how I grew up and how I grew up wasn't right. Jesus, I, I, I'm dependent on you to show me. Lord, I don't know how to get out of this mess I got myself into. I'm just dependent upon you. He's saying, those with that attitude, guess what they get? They get heaven. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. Their reward will be heaven. As you and I wake up every day and just say, look, I'm dependent on you, God. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how I'm going to, but you are the one that's the master of my life. Here's the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Now listen, this word mourn, when we use it in our English language, we're typically using the word mourn to represent a, a funeral, 
someone that's close to us that has passed, we mourn the loss of that person. That's usually about the only time we use that word like that. Uh, 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 you know, if you don't have good English, maybe you say, I'm mourning because the sun's coming up. I don't know. But, but, but the point of the matter is, is that that's not really how we use it. What this word actually means is, is repentance. Mourn here is talking about being sad, uh, not being sad because of the death of someone. Mourning here is talking about actually repenting, open up our heart and say, oh, God, I, I blew it. I blew it. I'm mourning is the way they would use that in that verbiage. But what, what it's meant is that blessed are those who repented, quick to repent. Listen, I tell you, I have been so frustrated over all these years of ministry to see people full of haughtiness say, oh, bless God, I've been a a Christian 25 years. And I tell you this and I tell you that. And they've lost the attitude of repentance. They've lost that as an attitude. And as they're so frustrated and they're they're so uncomfortable. Can I tell you something? If you're living in a lot of uncomfort, you might want to see what you need to repent about. You might want to come, because the Bible says this. He says, blessed are those who were repentant, because I'm going to comfort them. So if, they, if he comforts those who repent, what does he do for those who won't repent? He allows the glass to stay in the nest. He allows the difficulty to keep con- condemning and all that. Why? Because until you repent, until you let me be the Lord of your life, until you have the attitude of God, I, I don't know, I need you. I know I failed. I'm sorry, I want to repent. I want to admit what I've done wrong. I want to make it right, Lord. What do I do? When you do that, he then comforts us. What a reward for repentance. And if you're new to our church, I teach all the time, repentance is not a bad thing. It's not a bad Who told you that? I'm sorry that some preacher, you need to repent. I'm sorry that that person did that. But that's not what Jesus is talking about in Scripture or what the Word of God is talking about, repentance. Repentance is like this. Let me give you an image. And we talked about this during the Olympics. Can you imagine? You're lined up. You finally made it to the Olympics. You line up, and they say, pow, and you take off running, and you're running as fast as you can. But you get to the finish line, and you stumble, and you fall, and you don't quite make it across, and everybody else crosses. And you're sitting there with bloody knees. And you go over to the ref and say, can I do it again, please? I messed up. We're going to do it again. Let's go. Give him another shot at it. Really? I get to do it again? Yes. All the cameras are watching. He's going to try it again. Here he goes again. Can you imagine? That's what repentance is. You get to do it again and again. And he control alts, delete. And he resets it. And he says, go again, baby girl. Try again. You got this. Come on. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what he does. So you say, man, I blew it. I got pregnant out of wedlock when I was a teenage. Hallelujah. He's going to give you a restart. That's what repentance is. And you get to go again at life. And you get to keep going. He said, man, I messed up last week. Repent. Restart, Lord, I recognize I can't do it. I'm, I'm sorry. I need your help. And guess what he does? He gives you a restart, and guess what that is? That's comforting, isn't it? Aren't you glad that we get to repent, and we don't live for a God that says, you made it, you made that mistake that time. You're done. You're dead to me. Aren't you glad that we get to repent? Blessed are those who repent. For they shall be comforted. Isn't that good? Somebody say amen. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. I'll tell you that right now. Number three. Here's, here's the third beatitude. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Boy, meek doesn't get very well in, in our generation, does it? I dare anybody to step on me. Tell me what to do. Tell you right now. I dare him to say that to me. See what he gets. I, look, I don't, I don't need y'all. Deuce. That's kind of the attitude of our generation in a world that feels justified when someone is wrong, right? If I've been wronged by you, then I'm justified to say, but that's not what he said. He said the attitude is this, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Can I help you break that down? The attitude here that he's asking for is humility. So the attitude is humility, and the reward is the land. 
This scripture right here, this passage, this spoken word from Jesus, blessed are the meek, for they shall, they shall uh, inherit the earth. Do you know what inherit the earth is? That verbiage is tied to what he told the Israelites in the Old Testament about their promised land. This is not talking about you'll get some dirt in your backyard, your grass will start growing. This is talking about your promised land. This is a connection to the things that you do every day in your businesses. And if you will walk in meekness, if you'll walk, excuse me, in humility, what he will do is cause you to prosper in the work of your hand. Because the Israelites, they had no way. They were broke. They had been slaves. They had no way to walk into a land that the buildings were already built, the schools were already there, the roads were already paved, all the vineyards were already established. Come on, you know how it is to start a business. It's all established. Those people all leave. God runs them out, and they walk into their promised land. Frank, can I explain something to you? According to this, if you and I will walk in humility, he will give us our promised land. We will have favor on our lives. We will literally live in this world with prosperity. I'm not talking about the prosperity that TV preachers talk about. I'm talking about that you and your wife will love each other. I'm talking about you'll have peace in your home. Come on now. I'm talking about all your needs will be met. Because he said, if you'll seek first the kingdom and my righteousness, I will take care of everything else for you. I will meet every one of your needs because I'm a good, good father. Isn't that good? Somebody say yes. That's good stuff right here. Here's the fourth, if you will, the fourth beatitude. And that is, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. The attitude here, the expectation, is a desperate or desperation for more of God. So that could be worded in our generation. Blessed are those who are desperate for more of God. The reward will be, for they will be saturated. That's a better translation in, in reference to what we, how we think and how we're living in this, in this era. And so what, what, what he's saying here is, blessed are those who are so desperate for God. I just want more of you, God. He said, if, if you'll take on that attitude, God, I just want more of you. Opposed to the attitude like, man, look, I do, my, I do my penance. I go to church once a month. I give them some money. Why ain't you doing stuff for me, God? Where are you at? How come my car broke down? See, that's the wrong attitude. What he's saying is, blessed are those who are desperate. God, I need you. I need you today more than I did yesterday. Lord, I need you right now more than I, than I had you a month ago. God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. I just want you in my life. Nothing else matters. I just want you. They will be saturated. See, you got to understand, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, 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 a number of us here in Church on the Hill. When it comes to Sundays and our worship set, uh, we are desperate for more of God. So when we started this church, we would worship for an hour why? Because we get in his presence. We want more. We want more. We want more. We, we would have nights of worship, and we'd prophesy over each other in our small groups. It was just great times. Just worship. And, but then we opened our church up to the community. And some of you aren't at this place where you're desperate yet. It's going to happen. You're just not there because we're all growing, right? And we're in that season of our life. And so even for us, for some of us on Sunday morning, just to have a smaller worship set, because we know if we went 34 uh, more minutes, if we went 45 more minutes than we normally do, I, already some of you are like, dude, y'all going to sing for 30 30 minutes? What y'all doing? What is this, Christian karaoke? You got the words on the screen? What is this? It doesn't mean you're wicked. It doesn't mean you're going to hell. You're just not there yet. And we recognize that, and so we accommodate that. But, the, but you got to understand, there's this place in God where you start being desperate. You want more of him. And listen, I want to tell you something. Guess how he rewards that? He will saturate you. He will saturate. There are moments all throughout my life, continuing experiences that I have with the Lord. Where I get so hungry for him. And I'll just sit with him. And I'll just talk with him. And he'll just sit. There have been moments. And I hate to even share this with you. But I'm going to tell it to you anyway. And mess you up. And you won't come back to church. But it's okay. There have been moments in my life. 
I was so hungry for God. And he started interacting me, with me in this crazy supernatural way. That when I walked away from that interaction, I was... <laughs> I'm a little tipsy. I feel drunk. Oh, my God. And people are like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, I don't know. But it's good. Because I was saturated. Can I explain something to you? Let me explain something. The reason why people drink alcohol and do drugs, because they want to be saturated with goodness. They want, the, uh, they want the pain to go away. Can I take God said it like this in his Holy Spirit? Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be saturated with what I got for you. And I'm going to tell you something. You'll wake up without any guilt or shame. In fact, you'll wake up with power and strength flowing through your veins. Can you understand how God has set this up? He knows that we need to medicate. He knows that life throws things that stabs us and beats us up and tears us apart. So he he says, listen, if you'll get desperate, if you have a desperate attitude for me, you will be saturated. I will not abandon you. You will be rewarded. And then you don't have to wait. When we finally get to heaven, it'll be good. Because I'm climbing up the rough side of the mountain. I'm doing my best to make it there. Are you kidding me? What God is that? I ain't serving that God. I'm serving the God that as I'm desperate for him, he saturates me and life is good. Life is good. In the midst of the pain, life is good. The pain doesn't destroy me. Why? Because he's good in the midst of it. Isn't that good? Amen. I'm preaching good today. Anyway, number five. Number five. (laughs) Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Mercy. Let me translate that for you. The attitude there is merciful. And the reward is shown mercy. Can I tell you, that goes against every principle you've ever been taught. That you've been modeled about in this life. It's one of the frustrations that I have with some of the leadership of our country. Can I, can I just say something to you? Listen, it's one of the things that has ticked me off in church life, in relationship with Christians. It's amazing. Over the last 10 years, I've seen more people. They want righteousness. Brother, he did it. He doggone better be exposed. Everybody needs to know, and I'll tell you this ain't right, and right, righteousness, righteousness. Friend, woo, woo. Jesus' opening teaching is, hey, be merciful, because you're going to need mercy one day. Right? <laughs> In fact, I love, I love where he teaches. He says, and listen for you guys, Paul's teaching, listen for you guys that find, find a brother in sin, restore him gently, lest you fall into the same temptation. Careful, friend, how critical and judgmental we become of each other and what we expect of someone else. And this person, listen, our small group leaders, y'all punch them all the time. Bless their hearts. They're just trying to serve you. And they well, you ain't do this right. You ain't do this right. I thank God that they are learning this attitude to have mercy. Why? Because as you show mercy, according to Jesus, you will be shown mercy. I love that passage of Scripture where Jesus is telling a parable about this man who was in prison for all of his debt that he owed the king. He must have been a contractor for the palace. I don't know. But he, 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 did, he, he didn't follow through on what he did, so the king put him in jail. After a number of times, the Bible says, Jesus tells the story that the king had capacity. He just, his heart overflowed with and he, and capacity to forgive this guy, so he forgave his debt. The guy couldn't believe it. He gets out on the street, and as he's going down the street, he finds some little dude who used to work for him who owed him some money, and he didn't, and he said, you owe me money. Shakes him, give me the money. Beats on him, that kind of stuff. The guy said, I don't have the money. He says, you better believe I'm going to make you pay. And he takes him to the police. He said, this guy has robbed me and owes me money. 
And then they tell the king about what this man does. Jesus' story. And the king takes that man and locks him up and throws away the key. And Jesus' parable says it like this. For what type of mercy you show others, that kind you will be shown. And how horrible for this man that he stood in judgment of someone else when he was asking for forgiveness. I don't know about you, but he has forgiven much, and I love much. The word of God says, he who's been forgiven much, loveth much. The reason why people are critical and hard on other people, because they obviously haven't experienced his love and forgiveness in their own lives. And when you experience his love and forgiveness, you recognize, oh my God, if it wasn't for grace, if it wasn't for grace, buddy, look, I'll give you grace too. So then you can say to that coworker who dogged you out in front of the boss the other day, who made you look stupid on that project in front of the boss, you can say, listen, man, I forgive you. I'm telling you what, I've done that. When things have happened in our church and things that have just done dirty to me, I remember standing before the Lord and being mad about it and then, and then realizing, wait a minute, Lord, I give mercy. Because I've done that to others, I guarantee it, Lord. I, and I want your mercy on me. And so I give mercy. Friend, this is an attitude that God was very specific about in his Beatitudes. And he says, so blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Keep moving. Number six, blessed are the poor, excuse me, pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So the attitude he's asking for here is pure in heart. And then the reward will be that you see God. So let me kind of break that down for you. The reason why Jesus hits this point is because he's talking to his generation. Now, the generation that he's dealing with, the people that he's dealing with, they have these religious leaders called Pharisees and Sadducees, or the Sanhedrin, a a collective of all these religious leaders. And what they do is they study the scrolls, and and they argue about what this doctrine means and this doctrine means, and they have all their little followers, and they get them to give them money so that they don't have to do any kind of other work but to actually study the scriptures and come up with all these theologies and doctrines and the and the prevalent attitude of these religious leaders were if i look good on the outside to everybody but on the inside i still have criticism and rebellion of the heart in fact jesus called them white washed tombs we use the word hypocrite we use the word they're a hypocrite they say one thing but they do something else come on somebody you know what i'm talking about we've all been hypocritical at some point so let's don't be too harsh on everybody else and he's saying, listen, for those of you that are pure in heart, listen, forget about how it looks on the outside. Forget about trying to impress everybody. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory. Hallelujah. Send the money. Send the money. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will send you my snot cloth. It will heal you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Instead of that, and yet being greedy on the inside, and being horribly perverted in who you are, he says, if you'll purify your heart, if you'll have the attitude, Lord, I, I just need you to help me. I, I still don't like people. God, I'm, st- I'm still frustrated. I'm still frustrated with my husband, but I'm praying, oh God. If you'll be pure in heart, guess what he says it will happen? You will see God. Do you know why this is a big statement? Because there's a passage of scripture in the Old Testament that says, no one can see God and live. Why? Because he's so holy and we have sinfulness in our life. So those two combinations cause us to die. In fact, it says about Moses as he's up on that he had to hide his face from the Lord, lest he look into his eyes. And it, come on, you saw uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. You saw that, right? Remember that? Sorry, from the eighties. Anyway, and so unless unless you have that experience where you here's what God Jesus Himself says: If you will purify your heart and have a heart a pure attitude, guess what will happen? You will actually break that whole concept 
And you'll be someone who sees God, who knows him, who interacts with him, who talks to him face to face, who interacts with him in a way that's real and legitimate and not religious, not just going to church and somebody preaching at you, but you'll know him, you'll hear his voice, you'll talk to him face to face. I don't know about you, but I, want, I, I, don't, wanna, I don't want some dead God. I'm not, I'm not worshiping some little idol, some little wooden figure, some little false representation. If he's not the God of heaven and earth, if he's not the creator of humanity, if he's not my Lord and Savior, then why are you and I wasting our time? Let us live, drink, and be married for tomorrow we die but if he's the living God I want to know him I want to be face to face with him and if he says the key to being face to face with him is to be pure in my heart and and repent of my sin I'm doing it doggone it so I can know him face to face I want to be best friends with the God of heaven and earth I want to be either he's my dad or he's not either he's my best friend or he's not friend don't treat him like he's some distant enemy out there waiting for you to make a mistake so he can spank he's not some judge sitting in the courtroom waiting to get you he wants to be your best buddy he wants to be the one who carries you and holds you and protects you and you need to be the one who serves him and loves him and obeys him and in that interaction we will see God This is what's lacking in Christianity. People just going to church. That's great. Thanks for coming to church. But would you please be someone with an attitude of a pure heart? I just want God, man. I just, Lord, how how do I walk in rightness with you? And here's the next one. Number seven. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Whew. Blessed are the peacemakers. So, again, the attitude is peacemakers. And the reward, attitude is peacemakers, and the reward is that we'll be sons of God. Sons and daughters is the inference there, the reference there. And peacemaker, do you know what a peacemaker is? That's someone, here's, here's the definition, laboring to restore unity. A peacemaker is someone who labors to restore unity. We've got so much strife in our nation. We've got so much difficulty. The attitude of Christ is that you and I labor to bring unity to the situation. That we're laboring to bring peace to the situation. Can I tell you what the real inference is here? See, humanity is away from God, their creator. Would you agree with that? Say yes. Okay, three of you, thank you. So the world is lost without a savior. The God who created them, who wants a relationship with them, the world doesn't know it, doesn't see it, don't care, because they don't know. And there's a war for their souls. The Bible tells it very clearly that the Satan goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may desire. He, uh, he wants to destroy every person on the planet. Why? Because we look like and act like the creator because we were made in his image. So he wants all humanity to be in hell forever with him in destruction. God the Father sent his son to restore us back to himself. Are you with me? Say yes. Jesus became a peacemaker in the midst of the war for their souls. And as his sons, if we're sons of God and daughters of God, our whole attitude is this. I don't work this job just to make the bills. I work this job because I'm interacting with people who are at war with God who don't know the living God. And I I'm going to bring unity and be a, a source of unity between them and the Father. And every demonic force is trying to destroy them. I'm going to kick them off and say, you're not, you're not going to take my boss to hell with you. You're not going to take my neighbor to hell. You're not going to take my aunt and my cousin to hell with you. No, sir. And just the opposite. I am a peacemaker. And as a result of being a peacemaker, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. Why? Because nothing else matters to God the Father. He don't care about buildings, air-conditioned units, cool video screens. He don't care about that. He cares about the loss and hurting. Who are going to spend eternity separated from his own creation that is lost. There's been a war for their soul. We're losing the battle. That's what he cares about. Jesus didn't come to earth to create some other religion. He didn't come for philosophical discussion. 
for a theological debate. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who unify the hurting back to the Father. Blessed are those who get in the middle of the church conflict and bring peace and unity back to the brothers and sisters. For they, that's what sons of God are. That's what a son of God looks like. Not the ones who wear the title. Not the ones who drive a fancy car. Not the ones who go to church every day. This is what the sons of God look like. And then the last one and final. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Would you quote this little piece with me one more time? Start with the first part. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of what? Because of what? Here's the problem. When it comes to persecution, I get so many people, Pastor, I'm being persecuted at work. Man, they're just against me because, because I'm a Christian. Is it that? Or is it because you're lazy and won't do your job? I don't think you're being persecuted because of righteousness. I, think you, I don't even think it's persecuted. I think you're being disciplined because you won't do your job. Brother, I tell you, it's so hard. It's so hard where I at, man, where I'm at. I tell you, my family, I tell you, every Christmas, they, they just persecute me, just persecute me. Do they persecute you or do you run your mouth too much? Are you, are you a bringer of peace? Are you a bringer of conflict? Which one are you? Because I don't know if that's persecution. And so let's qualify what he's talking about here. When he's talking about persecution, he's talking about the inevitable Interaction that happens with light and darkness. See, persecution is where light and darkness meet. If you never shine forth the light, you don't have any persecution. I love you. God bless you. But you don't have any persecution. Because what we're dealing with in our generation is we all want to please humanity. Men pleasing. That's why we're so tolerant. And we use tolerance as an excuse to be ashamed of the gospel. I'm very tolerant. I love all men. Just like Jesus did. But there's a right and there's a wrong according to Scripture. And when I stop standing for right and start bowing to wrong so that I can, quote, be a peacemaker, I've come out of proper alignment to what Jesus is talking about. See, persecution is inevitable for those who love God. Because why? Because the world hates God. They don't even know why. Because the Word of God says it like this. To the one who's perishing, the one who doesn't know God, their mind is blinded. They can't even get it. Why would you go to a church and give your money to a preacher and let him drive a car that's nicer than yours? <laughs> I've been told that a billion times. I'm like, I don't know. Why would I do that? <laughs> that's crazy. Wait, because why? Because they don't. They, we we not give money to the preacher so I can drive a nice. I can make a lot more money doing something else. This is about God. And loving Him and trusting Him and being the family of God, coming together and caring for one another's needs. They don't get that. Why? Because their mind is blinded to that, as the Scripture says. But when you and I come into the light, we become light, and that causes conflict and darkness. When light and darkness comes together. I'll give you an example of this. So let me close with this. So I was in Bible school. Mom and Dad had gone to the mission field. So I'm an only child, so I'm by myself, and, and I'm living with a family. And I'm a poor, starving college student. And uh, so I'm working at Sam's Wholesale Club. And uh, in those days, Sam's Wholesale Club, they didn't have the little scanner. Doop, doop. In those days, there were two people working at cash register. One person would type in the, the code and then hit enter, and it would pull it up on the screen and put it in their, you know, in their feet. Uh, the other person would take the product out of their basket and move it to another basket and call out the SKU. 
5201 Starlight Mints. I can't believe I still remember that. Come on, somebody. And I was a guy, and I would call that out. And uh, hot dogs, uh, 15, uh, 16 bun hot dogs, uh, 1725. And, and that person would then do it, punch it in. And so this particular day, again, starving college student. And this little old lady comes through our line, and she takes her stuff, and she leaves. And there are no, it's a slow day, so there's not a lot of customers. And so I look, I, all of a sudden, I notice on the back of the register, where the girl who I'm working with, uh, back of the register is this envelope. So I reach over, and I grab the envelope, and it's 15 $100 bills. Whoo, thank God some other Christian didn't find it. And I'm looking at it. Now, I'm, I'm broke. 15 $100 bills? That's like, I mean, come on, some of you guys be like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Woo! <laughs> but, but again, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to learn to be like Jesus, right? And so, so I look at it, I was like, oh, my goodness, that sweet little lady, she left her money. She's gone now. Oh, my goodness, I don't know what to do. And, uh, and, and the girl working the restaurant goes, what? What would you find? I said, this $1,500. She goes, I'll split it with you. I said, uh, no, no, I'm going to split this money. She goes, it's my money. It's my register. You're helping me. I said, no, I don't think so. You, no, we're going to split that money right now. I said, no, we're not going to do that. I said, I said I'm going to turn it in. You can't turn it in. You, 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 give me half that money right now. I said, listen to me. Let me tell you something. I am not going to hell over $1,500. Now, if it was $2 million, that'd be a little different test. <laughs> I mean, I'm just telling you. He who's faithful in little things will be rewarded with much. Uh, and I'm glad he didn't start me with the big, big test. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so, so I was like, man, $1,500 ain't enough right there. I'm going to tell you that. No, but so I said, listen. I said, I said, I'm not doing that. And she got mad. I said, I'm turning it into the manager. She said, he's a thief. He's going to keep it. He's never going to return it to that little old lady. I said, let me tell you something. It ain't our money. Some little sweet lady left her money here, and it's probably her whole security, her social security check. I said, she's going to come back looking for it. And what are we going to say? Then we got a lie. I said, oh, we didn't see it. We didn't know. I said, no, I'm turning it in to the, to the manager. And let me tell you something. She made the next three months of my life miserable. When it says, blessed are those who suffer for my name's sake, this little girl, I'm telling you, every time I would, I would walk into the break room, she'd be sitting there with some other girls. She'd go, oh, there he is. There's the preacher. Come on, preach to us, preacher. Tell us how wicked we are. Come on. Oh, anytime I made a mistake, like if, if, I, if I stubbed my finger, oh, mm, you going to cuss? Go ahead, cuss. Go ahead, preacher man, cuss. Just, I mean, just uh, 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 at me. I mean, I remember about three months into it, I was, I was like, God. I can stop this. Let me just punch her in her face and knock her teeth out. <laughs> she wasn't that big. I mean, I could shut her up. Y'all, wha-pow! And I, but I'm learning this. Blessed are those. Blessed are those who are persecuted. Blessed are those who get pushed on and shoved around because they're loving Jesus. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Heaven will come to earth for them. Can I explain something to you? If you and I will stand for Jesus, he will stand for us. Would, with that being said, would you stand here in church? All across the room, quickly stand with me. Thank you guys. You've been so gracious to me today. I'm trying to be sensitive to your time. Here's what I'd like to do. I hope this series has helped you. I mean, it, thank God that we've been in this series. The Lord is just, I mean, it's been more for me probably than for any of you. I think with almost 30 years of ministry, I think one of the attitudes that I struggle with the most is being cynical I've just seen so many people make promises to God and not follow through and, and so people, many people have mishandled my trust hurt other people blamed it on me that I, I, I can tell sometimes that I've become cynical 
And so this series, I've just said, Lord, I don't want to be anything but pure in my attitude. I don't know which of the different attitudes that God's trying to work out of you. But remember, if we'll just take off the old self every day and do our best to put on the new self, no one's impervious to frustration and bad attitudes. I'm on my way to minister to thousands of people in Columbia, and I'm having to fight through my own attitude because I didn't like my situation. Friend, can I tell you something? Jesus was successful. Once we got there, Jehoshaphat, he'll tell you, we ministered, it was magical, it was powerful. I think it had a lot to do with me overcoming my own attitude because I didn't like my situation. I want you just to close your eyes with me right where you stand. We're closing out this series. We're done talking about the attitudes. We're going to move on to some other things in Scripture. Maybe you hadn't got to be a part of all of it. You can go back and listen to it online on our website. But you heard today. We're summarizing this whole thing. Jesus has rewards for you and me. He doesn't just say, obey me because I said. He said, look, I love you. What I'm telling you will help you is what he's teaching us. So blessed are you when you're merciful. You'll get that in return. Blessed are you when you're a peacemaker. Man, when you do that, when you bring unity, that's when you're my son. That's when you're a daughter of God. No one can mess with my son or my daughter. I'll fight for them. Whatever attitudes has been prominent in your life, would you take a moment, just under your breath, pray. Let's take the next 60 seconds and just pray. Say, Lord, help me. Lord, I don't want to be like that anymore. I don't want to be critical and judgmental. I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be angry all the time. I don't want to be easily frustrated. Lord, I'm sorry. I don't walk in humility. I'm arrogant. I'm prideful. I come across that way to so many other people. I didn't even realize it. I didn't realize I'm always defensive. I don't realize that my attitude is always I got to be right and everyone else has to be wrong. Would you just take a moment, right? Come on, be be pure in heart. Be pure in heart. Be desperate for the Lord today. Be desperate. Listen, if you're desperate, he he will saturate you. Father, I thank you right now for your kindness towards us, the believers. Lord, I thank you for your mercy and your grace that you've extended to us. Lord, I ask you right now, Lord God, to help us with our attitude. Lord God, we surrender who we are, what we are, what we're going through, what life has brought us. We surrender it to you. And Lord, we just say that you are good. You are a good, good father. You are gracious and merciful. And Lord God, you do, Lord God, you do reward those who walk in obedience to you. Help us. Let this church be a church full of the right attitude. Now, would you just reach over and grab the hand of that person closest to you? Just read, even if you have to reach across the aisle. Can we now be the church? Can we pray right now that each, and not, that see, as your attitude changes and the person next to you changes, our church's attitude changes. And we become a life-giving source to the hurting people of this world. Father, come on, would you pray for that person on either side of you? Lord, help them with their attitude. Pray prayers like that. Lord, Lord, give them, help them walk in humility, Lord God, so they can reap that reward. Help them, Lord God. Would you just pray those pieces over them right now? Father, we just thank you right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for the wonderful teaching that you've given us in your Holy Scripture. Lord, we do ask right now, Lord God, that you would help us, Lord God. Lord God, that you would help us to have complete dependency on you because we want the kingdom of heaven as our reward. Lord, we do ask you right now, Lord God, that you would constantly, Holy Spirit, constantly, constantly nudge us to repent, to have an attitude of repentance, Lord God, because we know that God the Father will comfort us, that we'd walk in humility, the attitude of humility, because then we'll prosper everything we put our hands to.
he will prosper. Lord God, we do pray for desperation so that we can be rewarded with saturation. Lord God, we pray for mercy so that, Lord God, we can show mercy. Lord God, that we would have an attitude, Lord, of a pure, pure heart. And we know it's not about our own selfish gain, but it's about what God wants and what God needs. And then we will see you being persecuted, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God, that we will be rewarded with heaven. And that, Lord Jesus, as peacemakers, unifiers to those who are lost and undone, will be called sons and daughters of God. Would you let go of that hand of that person next to you and keep your head bowed for just a moment. Just give me a couple of seconds. I would be horrified. It would break my heart today. I would be shamed if today those of you that maybe are away from God weren't given the privilege to come back to Him and make Him the Lord of your life. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're not a Christian, maybe because you never understood what it was to be a follower of Jesus, Maybe you've never known how to love him and receive his love. Maybe you, you, you grew up around the church or you went to church back in the day and someone told you about Jesus and you said some little prayer. But the truth of the matter is, you don't feel like you really are a Christian. Maybe you've walked away from him. You've been living in sin. Today you want to repent. I would like to give you that opportunity. In fact, I would challenge you, don't leave this place without making Jesus the Lord of your life. You say, well, what do I have to do? Well, here's the beauty of it. Jesus did it all. Do you understand when he died on that cross 2,000 years ago, he paid forward. He paid it forward for all of your sin, all the sin you've ever committed and all the sin you're ever going to commit. He paid for and he put that payment in an account because you owe a debt. You owe a debt to the living God who created you. And when you sin and you live outside of him, you're indebted. And And that payoff is hell, except for those of us who've accepted the payment of Jesus Christ and his blood and his sacrifice of his life on that cross. And so he's already paid for it. All you have to do then is receive. You say, well, what, now what do I do? Well, the Bible says it like this. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the son of God. And then he will forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Listen, you want God or you wouldn't even come to our church. Come on. You didn't get snuck by anything. What? They're going to talk about Jesus? Well, he told me that. That's not true. There's something inside of you that wants a right relationship with the living God. There's something inside of you that wants to really serve the Lord. This is your moment to make that decision. With no one looking around, you say, Pastor, this is my moment. I'm ready to serve God. I want to ask Jesus into my life, and I want to make him the Lord of my life. With no one looking around, if that's you, you're ready to make that decision and serve the Lord. Would you just throw your hand up right where you're at and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. God bless you. Anyone else? Give you about three or four seconds. Thank you, sir. Thank you, bro. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you, sweet love. Thank you. Man, these are real people. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. I honor you. I remember that decision that I made so many years ago. Anyone else? About two seconds left. Pastor, pray for me. It's time. I'm ready to serve the Lord. You can put, put it back down. Once you get it up in the air, make sure I see it. God bless you. Many hands went up today. You can put your hand down. Now, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to make a spectacle of you. This is a private decision. I know it's a public place, but it's private. And every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Now, those of you who lifted your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to connect you to God through this prayer. And then your relationship starts right here, right now. In fact, there's nothing magical about the words of the prayer. It's supernatural that you lifted your hand and said, I want God. All we're doing with this prayer is putting an exclamation mark at the end of your sentence. And so would you pray this out loud? In fact, everyone in the audience, would you pray with those who lifted their hands? Say it out loud. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, today I admit I'm a sinner. I recognize I have sinned and falling short of your glory. I ask you now to forgive me. Say it again. Forgive me of my sin. And I right now accept your forgiveness. 
Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Write my name in your book of life. And I promise to serve you all the days of my life. Now say it like this. Jesus, you are now my Lord. Say it again. Jesus, you are my Lord. Keep your head bowed for just a moment. Father, I thank you that for every man and woman who lifted their hand and said that prayer a minute and made you the Lord of their their life right now, may the peace of God come over them like a warm blanket on a freezing day. May you wrap them in your arms. And Lord, all their minds going crazy, thinking, what about this? And, and what about the old drugs that I used to do? And what about the person that, you know, that always calls me and I go have sex with, blah, blah, blah. Lord, would you just quiet all that? Let them know that it's okay. That you and them are starting a relationship today. They got a new boyfriend. They got a new, they got a new girlfriend. They got a new dad. From this point forward, Lord, that you're going to help them. They're going to learn. They're going to grow. For they're yours forever. We call these things as so. In Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen and amen.